uh, I had to do this song. And, you know, I'm glad that I grew up, I heard a lot of black folks. Whistling, humming, and singing. And they could sing. But this, this sweet little Jesus boy, um, the story sort of goes behind it. I won't go into details with it except this uh, Christian guy was celebrating. He was going out to eat uh, by himself. He had a little shanty place to live. But he walked down through the town, and uh, he saw this bar, and they were celebrating. Well, he didn't eat there. He went and found him a place he could celebrate the coming of the Messiah. And he came back by there a little later. And my goodness, they were just falling all out on the street and drunk. And you all just having a good time, you know. But it wasn't his thing. He went home and he penned these words um, that these folks just didn't know what they were celebrating. But, but we do today. And, you know, we have no excuse not to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Um, except we just... We just don't place our faith in him. But anyway, that's, I'm going to sing it just one more time. <laughs> um, I've sung this a few times, but uh, anyway, enjoy it with me. <laughs> Sweet little Jesus boy, they made you be born in a manger. Sweet little holy child Didn't know who you was Didn't know you'd come to save us, Lord To take our sins away Our eyes was blind We couldn't see We didn't know who you was. Long time ago, you was born, born in a manger low, sweet little Jesus boy. The world treat you mean, Lord. Treat me mean too But that's how things is down here We don't know who you is You done told us how We is a trying Master, you done and showed us how, even when you's dying. Just seem like we can't do right, look how we treated you, but please, Forgive us, Lord. We didn't know was you. Sweet. 
little Jesus boy. Born long time ago, sweet little holy child, and we didn't know who you Children's Church, you're dismissed. It's actually a very fitting song to lead into today's sermon. As you know, we've been uh, doing our study in Ephesians. We'll continue this morning, and today we're in chapter 2. If you want to take your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. Uh, we have a lot to cover this morning. Um, we do have a baptismal service to follow, and so I want to go ahead and move into the text. Let's hope my clicker will work. If not, I may need a manual. Oh, so far, so good. It was on. So, uh, Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And In fact, I'm going to come down here and, and read this with you. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up on the screen. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 10 says, we are His workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are going to cover uh, this text, but we're going to do it over the next three Sundays. Uh, there's just so much here, and uh, so what I want to do is, is kind of take our time as we, as we go through this. Um, 
If you're writing down outlines or you like the outlines, here's uh, the outline for us, and I'll go ahead and give you the overview. Uh, today we're going to look at past. Uh, and by the way, when I talk of the past, Paul in chapter 1 is basically giving us a picture of the, the riches, the glorious uh, of Christ and salvation. The theme of chapter 1 is, is our salvation. In chapter 2, we're going to look at the past, uh, a salvation aspect, um, what we were like before. We'll look at the present, and we'll also look at the future. So if you're, if you're jotting this down, the past, we were dead, verses 1 through 3. The present, we were delivered. And the future, we were destined, verses 7 through 10. Today, as I said, we're going to be looking at the past. And we were dead. Um, verses 1 through 3. Notice, if you would, in the text. Paul starts off, and. Circle that little word, and. He's continuing the thought. What has Paul told us in chapter 1? Look what he's told us. Verse 20 of chapter 1. He talks about which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Remember last week we talked about the power of God? We talked about that power. And there in verse 20 he talks about the power which raised him from the dead. Paul is continuing the thought. Because it's that same power that you and I need if we're expected to be raised from the dead. But notice, he says from the beginning, and, chapter 2, and you he made alive. Now if you notice, that's in italics. It's not in the original uh, it doesn't pervert the truth in any way, shape, or form because a little later in the text we see that he makes that reference. But he says, And you who were dead in trespasses and sin. What is Paul telling those at Ephesus? What's he telling you and me? Well, it's pretty clear. You who were dead. Do you realize that if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are spiritually dead. Can dead people do anything? No. They're dead. Dead people don't respond to anything. They're dead. And if as if it's not bad enough, not only are we we're, we're dead, we're dead in trespasses and sin. Trespasses, I believe Paul chose that word there as led by the Holy Spirit because who's his audience? His main audience is the Gentiles, but he's also addressing the Jews and the Gentiles that are there in the city of Ephesus and surrounding area. Trespasses, the Jews understood this. It meant to fall. Sin, I believe, was a word chosen specifically so that the Gentiles could understand. And it means to miss the mark. And so Paul is, is letting those folks know there, look, look, you, you were dead in trespasses and sin. You have fallen. You missed the mark. We all fall short of the glory of God. Now, what, what would, have, would have come to mind here? Well, very clearly... For the Jew, 
They had the Old Testament. They understood the beginning of time. And now these Gentile believers who were growing in God's grace also understood that in the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve fell, the fall, what happened? Well, go back with me. Think with me. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were created in the image of God. I believe when they were created in the image of God, and I recently had this discussion with a, with a friend of mine, and i never really seen it this way, and I'm still doing a little homework, so I haven't camped out on this one yet. But it makes a lot of sense. Follow with me if you would. And if you've got other thoughts, please share them with me later. I'd love to hear. But when we were created in the image of God, we were created body, soul, spirit. Okay? Body, soul, and spirit. Now, when Adam fell, he died, right? What the scripture tells us, he died. He didn't die physically, did he? Right immediately? No. How did he die? Spiritually. Because physically, it was like 900 some years later, he dies physically. But spiritually, in the moment, he died. He's dead. Since the beginning of time, Adam and Eve's offspring and their offspring and their offspring and their offspring and their offspring till finally the world's destroyed and only those that were in the ark survived and then they began to have offspring who had offspring who had offspring who had offspring and have you here this morning. But something has not changed since the beginning from when Adam fell till now. Man is born spiritually Dead. You're dead. And this is what Paul is trying to tell the people in Ephesus. He said, in you. He made alive. Who were dead in trespasses in sin. Notice this. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man... Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. You see, prior to the the sin in the garden, there was no death. This is why we have a huge problem with evolutionary ideas. Because it has death prior to the fall. You cannot have that. You, You totally attack the authority of God's Word. Death is a result of sin. There is no death until man sins, until man falls, until man trespasses against God's ordained law. The one. Don't eat of that tree. And they couldn't keep the one. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Do you realize, you know, we've been going through this way of the master, and it's really neat, you know, one of the things, have you ever told a lie? Yeah, what does it make you a liar? Uh, Okay, guess what? We kind of got that a little backwards. You lie because you're a liar. The act isn't what makes you. You're just responding and living out who you are. By nature, by nature, we are liars. By nature, we are thieves. By nature, we are adulterers. By nature, we are blasphemers. That is our nature. We're just living out who we are. We're dead. 
So, what does the text say? Notice it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, interesting phrase here. Notice in your text, it says, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That little phrase uh, in verse 2, according to, is a Greek word, it's a special word, and it's the word pronounced kata. Kata means according to or pressed against. The idea here is that it denotes emotion. It's sort of a diffusion or a direction from higher to lower. So it's a pressing down. It's a holding down. I'll give you a, a, an example here. Turn with me to Mark 5. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Very interesting word here when you begin to understand it in its context. Notice in Mark chapter 5, verse 13, you remember uh, they've come to the man possessed with demons and Jesus has cast out the demons. And remember the demons say to him, hey, please, don't, don't send us into the abyss. If you would, cast us, have mercy, cast us into the swine. So Jesus cast them into the swine, the pigs. And notice verse 13 says, And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently, kata, the steep place into the sea. There it's translated down. The herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. You see, when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and you were walking according to the course of this world, you're walking according to the prince of the power of the air, you're being held down. Satan is the god of this world, the little g-god of this world. And that is what is holding down the people of this world. This is why people around you don't have a clue about Christianity. They don't understand what it is that you understand because they're dead. And they're being held down by the prince of the power of the air. They're living out their nature. I don't expect a, a, a sinner to act like a saint. I expect a, a, a lost man to drink and chew and go with girls that do. I mean, you know. That's kind of normal. They're just doing what, they're just who they are. Uh, notice, uh, if you would, turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And look with me, if you would, in verse 21.
Jesus has been speaking to a multitude and then uh, he's, the, the disciples are, are starting to follow after him. And one of the disciples in verse 21 says, Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. If you've ever wondered what he's saying there, well, clearly he's, he's explaining this, this truth that Paul's laid out for us in Ephesians. Man is dead spiritually. Jesus says, look, you're called to follow me. The world's going to do the world's thing. Let the dead bury the dead. If Jesus Christ has made you alive by His Spirit, then you're awakened. The world is still a bunch of zombies. They're the living dead. Yeah, they're physically alive. They're walking around. But spiritually, the light's not on. Nobody's home. This is such an important thing for us to understand because uh, very clearly, when we understand this, it, it makes... a. a, a Great sense on why a lot of times people reject you in your faith. But it also uh, it makes it very clear and important on why we are to go and spread the light of the gospel. Uh, Paul's going to tell us again in Ephesians a little further. Uh, look over in Ephesians, back to Ephesians. But look with me in chapter 4, verse 18. And of course we'll explore this a little more in detail as we get there. But, but notice what Paul says in verse 18 of chapter 4. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. You see, this is why people aren't excited about spiritual things. There's no life in them. They're aliens from God. They're alienated from God. Their minds are darkened. Their ears are dull of hearing. The heart has no understanding. The natural man does not discern the things of the Spirit. So, in the past... We were dead. Paul says that was us. We're dead. So, look look as he continues this thought in verse 3 of chapter 2. Paul says that among whom... Oh, well, let me just back up for a second. End of verse 2. We walked according to the course of this world. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air, which, by the way, that's clearly Satan and his emissaries. And, And by the way, the word world is the word cosmos there. And it's not talking about the physical world. It's talking about the world in its philosophy, in its ideology, in its trends, in its the thing they do. When dead people in this world live, they live according to the prince of the power of air. They follow the world. Okay? 
That's why you'll never see the pastor wearing saggy bottoms. Okay? Part of the cosmos. But anyways, just lose that image right there. Somebody amen. Now watch it. All right. But they walked according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Prior to Christ, prior to conversion, you were a child of the devil. And some of you know that to be very clear. Sons of disobedience. So, he tells us in verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. He's telling us there that, hey, look, we, we, we all conducted ourselves in, in the lust of our flesh. Right? You did what felt right. You do what comes naturally. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind. By nature, we're children of wrath just as the other. Paul wants them to know very clearly, listen, the, the reason why you do what you used to do is because it's your nature. And we look at people around us today, and we've got to understand, they're blind. Do you get upset when a blind man steps on your foot? No, he can't see. I hope you don't lay him out. That'd be kind of rude. But boy, we sure get offended when an unbeliever, you know, steps on our foot. He's blind. He doesn't understand it. Well... I'm going to make this short, and I'm going to go ahead and go to the application. And I want to ask you, are you dead this morning, or are you alive? If you come to church, and what the pastor preaches and teaches, or your Sunday school teacher says, doesn't really make a lot of sense to you, and you go out of here, and you're more concerned with the things of the world, and you're more concerned with yourself than you are the Savior... There's a good indication there that you may be dead. There may be no spiritual pulse. You see, when man fell into sin, in that point forward, man is born spiritually dead. He's devoid, as my friend would say, of the spirit. And the only thing that can happen is if God quickens you, if God awakens you and gives you life and breathes life into you, then you can clearly see the world how it truly is. The blinders have been removed. The teens did a thing this past week where they wore blindfolds and they talked about this important truth and that the minds are blinded. And it's only when those blinders are removed that... You can see. Until I was born again, the Bible didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, yeah, I could read it. I didn't get anything out of it. I was like, man, what's the big deal? A bunch of these, thous, and shouts, and what? I don't get that. Who begot, who begot, who's this begot guy? 
I don't understand this. But when I became a born-again believer, it's like somebody cut the light on. Whoa, I got that. I understand that. That makes sense to me. It's because the Spirit of the living God is now dwelling within my heart. It now makes sense. I now see. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I once was blind. Now I see. And that's the Spirit of the living God. And it takes that quickening, that awakening, before a person can experience that new birth. Regeneration happens. Let me explain what happens here. I believe that clearly... The light of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died. He took your place on a cross. He paid the penalty you owed. When we transgress God's law, when we fail, when we miss the mark, we're all born dead. We all fall short of the glory of God. If we get what we deserve, we deserve death, the second death. Okay? For those who are walking around like zombies, there's a second death coming, and that's spiritual Uh, That's going to be eternal. That's the soul, I should say. The soul separated from the love of God, the grace of God. You'll be very much present in His wrath for all eternity. The second death. But what happens is when we share the gospel, when we tell people about who Christ is, the light shines into their heart. If I were to take a flashlight here and start shining it out there, some of you would see it. Now, some of you would not want to see it. And that's what happens, I think, in the world. When we share the good news, some people don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to receive it. They harden their heart to it. But if they'll receive it, if they'll respond to it, if they'll begin to come to it, That's God drawing them through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, drawing their heart through the message of the cross. And if they'll respond to that, God, just as He did to us, if a person is willing to repent of their sins and to, by faith, receive that grace that God has given. You see, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, I ask you, are you dead or alive? Uh, are you a slave to this world? You see, by nature, some of you are just, you're just doing what you do. You're following the course of this world. It's so funny you think about these people. You ever see, you know, like you get the goth people, man, and they're all made up, and you got the piercings and the tattoos, and they're like, yeah, I'm my own man. I do my own thing. Well, that's funny because I've seen a whole bunch of people just like you. I mean, really. Isn't that, I mean, you think about how comical that, that really is. I mean, it's just, oh, man, I'm all about, I'm doing my own thing, you know. No, you're not. You're just like everybody else, man. Get with the program, you know. You really want to be an alien? Give your life to Christ. Now you talk about being different. Bottom line is you're slave to somebody. Say it, don't spray it, excuse me. I give towels with my baths. If you're, you're either a slave to this world and the God of this world, Satan, or you're a slave to Jesus Christ. It's your pick, but you're a slave to somebody. I'd rather be a bondservant, uh, which, by the way, in a, that word's just, it's a slave. Okay? I got no rights. 
I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. I belong to Him. So who do you belong to? Are you a slave to this world? Uh, are you pursuing the pleasures and the power and the fame and the fortunes of this world? That's that ideology, the course of this world. Some of you, you're following like there's a little piercing in your nose ring and there's a chain hook and you're just going just like this. I'm after fame, I'm after fortune, I'm after whatever this world has to offer. You don't know that's happening. You just think you're doing what you need to do. I got an idea. I think I'll, I think I'll do this. Yeah, that's a great idea. I wonder what little Satan just in. Hey, hey, I got an idea for you. You know, you just picked up on that little uh, brainwave. I got a great idea. It really is like that because our battle's not flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers on high. You know, that's why later in Ephesians we'll see he talks about putting on the whole armor of God because Satan is firing darts at you, fiery darts. And he says, take the shield of faith to quench those darts. So, pursuing the pleasures and power and the fames and the fortunes and so forth and so on. Let me ask you this, has God quickened you? Has He made you alive? Does the things of God excite you? Do you really got, do you have a hunger and an appetite and a thirst for the things of God to know what He wants you to do in this life? To recognize that you're enlisted in His army and that you want to serve Him. That's where we need to be. And when the Spirit of God quickens you, He makes you alive, when you are, as the Bible would say, born again, you become a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Because just as in Adam, God breathed life into him, God has to breathe life into you or you will stay dead. So, are you walking as the old man or as a new man? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians and I'm... Getting ready to wrap it up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll read verses 1 through 6. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Do you realize it's not up to you to save that person? Don't think it's up to you. You're not responsible for removing the veil. But notice, he says... If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God, little g, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. See, that's how they get saved. When the light of the gospel penetrates, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is, the, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It takes the light of the gospel. And that's why you and I have to share the good news. Because in doing so, we're taking our flashlight 
and we're shining it into the hearts of man. And some men will respond to the life giver. And some won't. But that's not up to us. Paul says to those in Ephesus, you were dead. But the same power that raised Christ from the dead spiritually has raised you from the dead. And just as it raised Christ physically and sat Him in, in, into glory on the throne and all the riches that, that came with that, the inheritance that's due His, the reward, He says, you also have been awakened. You've been made alive. And not just spiritually, also one day coming as a physical being raised from the dead. Many of us, our bodies are quickly going to the grave. But God is going to bring forth those bodies and glorify those bodies. And we too will receive those rewards. And of course, we'll cast those crowns at the feet of the one who's due all of the glory. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. Because it's Him and Him alone that you and I have even the opportunity to respond. You see, if Christ wouldn't have came into this world and lived a sinless life, you and I would still be dead spiritually. If He had not gone to that cross and took your punishment, my punishment, my guilt, my shame, the sin upon Himself physically, I would never have been able to experience the new birth. And if Christ wouldn't have laid in that grave for three days, and then taking his life up and raised it, showing and proving that he and he alone is the only way, then you and I would have no hope. You see, we have hope. And we know that we too will rise. And it's important for us to understand this truth. You who were dead, He's made alive. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message this morning as we look at the past of salvation. Lord, prior to many of us, well, not just many, all of us, Lord. All of us were dead in our trespasses and sin. Father, uh, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. For without Him... Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without Him, we would have no forgiveness. And Lord, I pray this morning, uh, even now, that there are many here that maybe this is making a little bit of sense to them. Father, I ask that You would just allow Your Holy Spirit to begin to draw them. Lord, You said that no one can come to the Father unless they're drawn. And Lord, I pray even now the Holy Spirit would deal with hearts and lives and draw them to a place of repentance, a place to where they turn from their sin and turn to the Savior as their only means of true forgiveness. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning that has never placed their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, I pray that today by faith they would receive your grace, your gift, your Son, 
You said to those who've received him, you've given the right to become children of God. We no longer have to be children of wrath. So, Father, I pray that you do the work in hearts now that needs to be done. I pray that you would have them respond accordingly. Father, we thank you for the resurrection that gives us hope. We know this is not our home. We're just passing through. And Lord, help us to be sensitive as we are now living spiritually. May we walk according to the power of the Holy Spirit, not according to the flesh, but Lord, that we would walk in the Spirit as you've given us a light and a lamp to our feet, and that is your word. May we follow it. May we heed it. May we be obedient to it. So help us this morning to respond how you would have us respond, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name.